G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. The Agagites were Amalekites. Yep. The interesting thing is King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. So was Mordecai. Mm-hmm. Mordecai was also a Benjamite. The plot thickens. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Over the last couple of programs, we've been learning about the Feast of Purim, which involves Queen Esther and her cousin Mordecai, and the wicked Haman, the Agagite, who yes. wanted to kill all the Jews. He was uh, absolutely set on wiping them out. But uh, in this program, we're going to learn some more of the background to both Haman and the Amalekites. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, we don't, I don't want to spend too much time going over that. Um, but, yeah, the story is Haman hated the Jews. He particularly hated... Um, Mordecai, so he deceives the king, um, is given an edict to, on a certain day, and that certain date in the Hebrew calendar is the 14th day of Adar, and the, the proclamation was sent out throughout all the provinces of Persia, ancient Persia, on this day, take up arms and kill all the Jews. Of course, at that time, the Jews weren't allowed to take up arms themselves, mm. so they had no defense. And Esther has to go before the king, taking her life into her own hands, at the encouragement of her uncle and guardian, or sorry, her cousin and guardian, Mordecai, approach the king and see if anything can be done to save them. And through that process, which she did, Haman is then exposed for trying to kill the queen, mm. whom the king loved, <laughs> fortunately. Yeah. And um, Haman is then arrested. And the interesting thing is that he was going to, he was, he set up this massive gallows. He was going to, um, execute Mordecai on these gallows. And we think, oh, he's going to hang him. Actually, he wasn't going to hang him like hang him from a noose. Um, oh, I'm going to say it really softly because I've got to tell you that it was more like impaling. Mm. But impaling sounds not so yucky yeah, if you right. speak it softly. <laughs> really gruesome stuff. It yeah. was actually the very first um, the earliest form of crucifixion, because it was the Persians who invented crucifixion. It was impaling mm. hang, and then stuck up on a pole yep. where you died a slow, excruciating death. And over the years, it developed and then it was perfected by the Romans yeah. to be hands and nails in the, sorry, nails in hands and feet. Brutal, horrible stuff. So what he had actually intended to happen to um, Mordecai actually happened to him and all his sons. Mm. So that was the wiping out. But what most people don't realize um, is that Haman was a descendant of King Agag. All right. We mentioned um, in the previous program, you mentioned that King Saul was given a command by God to utterly wipe out the Amalekites, the city of the Amalekites, and to leave nothing, not mm. even the animals, yep. nothing. No one was to survive. And he, he completely didn't listen. Now, he was the very first king Israel ever had, and he looked quite impressive, but he had some really serious character flaws. 
He just couldn't obey God. He just wouldn't trust him. He was more interested in pleasing people mm. and what he thought was a good idea, and he just wouldn't obey. And it cost him the family line for the monarchy, and it cost him his life ultimately. Mm. But it also set up the almost extermination of his people because of his disobedience. Remember, Moses told the people, mm. he said, you ha- when you come into the land and you're established, you have to utterly wipe out the Amalekites. Yeah. Don't, Don't forget. forget. <laughs> and Saul forgot. And Saul forgot. Okay, so Saul and his army, they won the battles. And then 1 Samuel fifteen eight says, But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs. So when he says he spared Agag, he quite possibly spared Agag and his wives and, and the rest of mm. it. Yeah, because Samuel slaughtered Agag, so it obviously wasn't a, a, a descendant of Agag post that, but no. there must have been others there as well. Precisely. And so f- this is where we find out that Haman, the Agagite, he is a descendant mm. of the ancient king of Amalek, oh, the Amalekites, Agag. Mm. So we're talking the Agagites were Amalekites. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing is King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. So was Mordecai. Mm-hmm. Mordecai was also a Benjamite. The plot thickens. The plot really does <laughs> thicken, doesn't it? And so if you look through this history of this problem between the Israelites and the Amalekites, I mean, it goes back to Moses. You've got Moses and the Amalekites attacking the people as they come out. And then you've got Saul and Agag. And then it's still going on mm. until you get to ancient Persia between this, this feud between Mordecai and Haman. So the, this curse of Amalek and his obliteration of his name, it's this repeating pattern constantly. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, it ends with Haman when he is exterminated finally. Mm. Of course, then there are those who will go on to say that this spirit of Amalek is still existing because it's this constant... Um, repetition of somebody at some point in history always trying to wipe out uh, God's people. But uh, And so I would say go and read the story of Esther. There's only 10 chapters and get the whole picture of it mm. and the backstory. So is where, really good. where does the Messiah factor in this? Because I know that there are sort of allusions to the Messiah in this story as well. So how does that come into it? You know, there are people today who see the meaning of Purim in terms of, and this is very much in the Jewish psyche, and that is of good deeds overpowering the Hamans of this world. A reality tells us that despite how good or noble our efforts might be, there's always going to be too many Hamans for the Esters and the Mordecais yeah. of this world. There's always going to be another Haman somewhere. So it's not about our good efforts. But here's an interesting question. As simplistic as this might be, could it be that... The only way to rebuild the world is to sort of turn it upside down, kind of like then making it right side up again. I mean, how did God create it in the beginning? It was perfect, good, righteous, holy. Then it turned upside down and became sinful and corrupt and the Mm. rest of it. So therefore, to get it back the other way, there's got to be this innocence, this purity. So what happens that if instead of an evil Haman uh, hanging on a gallows, what if an innocent one? made the sacrifice on behalf of the others. Now, very often in Jewish tradition and culture, it's believed that it's incumbent on them to do something to make everything good, which is why they do good things and share it with the world. They're doing that because they want to bring redemption. They're longing for the Messiah. But it's never quite good enough because we ourselves are already 
Mm. Wicked Bible says we're wicked. So in our good deeds are coming from a wicked heart, even if good intentions, you know what I'm saying there. Spiritually, we're dead and in darkness. So therefore, it's got to be somebody else to turn it on its head. So that's where Messiah comes in, that he was the one who took that place, hung on that gallows, hung on that tree, innocent, and Mm. the the accusations leveled against him were unproven. Mm. They literally executed somebody with zero evidence. Yeah. And yet that's exactly what he did. He literally turned it on its head. So instead of hanging on a tree for the crime and seeing the destruction, he hung on a tree innocent of the crime and from that brought the deliverance of all, not just of a people but of everybody, Mm, um, of the whole world, righting what was made wrong. And you see that also described about Messiah in other places throughout the Bible that, you know, you had the first man, Adam, was a sinner. So then you need the second Adam, Mm. who was pure, who was Christ. You know, this replacement, this bringing in this perfection to turn it all on its head, to make it right again. And that's the real message of Purim, that this innocent, this this perfection can actually jump in and turn this whole thing around and bring about a redemption, the destruction of the evil to bring about the redemption of the many. It's taking the curse onto ourselves, onto himself, I should say, rather than uh, it, it being applied to us. Yeah, exactly. But And if you think about it, if you read uh, Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23, it says that if a man, this is interesting because you mentioned the curse, if a man has committed a sin worthy of death and he's put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him the same day, for he who is hanged is cursed of God. And when you think about that, Haman was cursed, the Amalekites were cursed, but Jesus himself became Mm. cursed and turned everything on its head and made it right again. Well, it's a fascinating study, and I'll remind you that you can get these study notes as lots in these last few episodes, and you can download them from the website, vision.org.au slash foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.